monster that was created by a man they call mad. The thing that lives inside where no one can hear it, see it, or feel it. The quiet little motel that has become known as the scene of a crime. The boy with evil living behind his eyes and the daughter possessed by the devil himself. These are the stories you've heard about, talked about. This is the Spooky Bros Horror Show. Welcome to the very first episode of the Spooky Bros Horror Show. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Mikey. This is a very monumental episode because it's our very first. And now that I'm thinking about it, um, it's actually going to be my last. So I All right. ho- hope you're okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I'll just take over. Um, I think my cat can fill in. Yeah, I, I there's a couple. She's definitely in a couple of our episodes of um, some and a different podcast. Um, she really adds to it, so I think that's that's gonna be a good fit. Yeah, she has a lot of opinions on everything, <laughs> right? Um, but in this uh, for this for this episode, we're talking about the Conjuring. Um, there's no structure to this, so if you want to just hop into talking about it, um, what did you think about it? Because we just watched it. Yesterday, right? Yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Yesterday. Um, it was good. Right. It's, it's all right. So, first, I think I'll give uh, a little overview of the plot and try not to spoil anything here. Let me know if I miss anything. Right. Definitely, definitely spoilers. As of, like, the time of recording, this came out yesterday. Right. So, it's brand new. Right. But as for the plot, I'm not going to try to spoil anything yet, but I do plan on spoiling things after. Um, So for the plot, it's mainly we open with pretty much the possession of a little boy. Uh, The Warrens are involved. They're trying to expel whatever is inside this little boy, controlling him, whatever. It turns out they didn't do the... They weren't successful in the exorcism and... One of the people present, his name was Arnie, he convinces what was controlling the boy to leave the boy and take him instead. Everybody else thinks that the exorcism was successful. And then Arnie is later controlled by this demonic presence to create or to commit a crime. And then it gets into the whole storyline where they try to use demonic possession as a uh, plead for not guilty. Now, this was the first American case where this was done, and it kind of goes out from there. The Warrens are trying to figure out what happened, who was in control of the of the demon. It turned out to be um, just this master Satanist, and. It's basically the Warrens going out and trying to find out where she is, how she's doing, what she's doing, and put an end to her control over Arnie. And that's a, that's a basic plot of it. Yeah, I think that covers it pretty much. Can we talk about the uh, what? What's it? David? I believe is the little boy's name. That exorcism where he starts like. Like I don't know, pretzeling and stuff like that. <laughs> that has, I mean, like the so the Conjuring three, I think is. I mean, if we're just talking straight Conjuring, not any of the 
you know, spinoffs like The Nun or Annabelle. I, I think The Conjuring 3 is my least favorite of the three. But the scene where David is twisting up and, like, he's, you know, going full demon, that has to be, like, the creepiest, nasty, like, actual CGI they've done so far. Oh, yeah, that was... uh that was fun to watch, but also very uh, terrifying at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, also, so I think The Conjuring 3 kind of has the strongest story of The Conjuring so far, mm-hmm. but I do think it lacked when it came to the fear factor. Um, it was probably the least scary of the three for me, but I did right. like the story. I would probably place it second after the original Conjuring. Gotcha. I yeah, but the thing is, it started off so creepy. Like the the exorcism of David. There's a jump scare. Like a, so at, at one point where you know David is you know he's going through it. Like he's going through the ringer. This is like peak demon hour, and Arnie invites the demon into his body to like you know stop the suffering of David. Um. So at one point, like they're at a cookout and stuff, and he sees a rat and like follows the rat to this ho- disgusting hole in the wall. Like, why would you ever look in that hole? And he stared for a long time. Like, you're not going to find anything. That's nothing but trouble. But he like then he like turns around and I believe she's credited as the occultist, but essentially the witch that's like you know the in- the antagonist of the movie. And like she does that jump scare and like it started off so strong with the scary factor. And then after the jump scare, it kind of just went downhill. Yeah, it turned into like a, a serious movie where I did like the scene where they show Arnie getting basically possessed and committing the crime that he committed. Oh, right. Yeah. It was an interesting scene and to watch watch it through Arnie's eyes was pretty cool, I think. Um, but yeah, after that For me, it kind of fell off a bit because then it turned into like this whole legal thing. Uh, Arnie's life is in danger. He's basically going to be put on death row if he if he doesn't if they don't prove his innocence pretty much. Um, So it does seem like there's a a bit of a a risk here and uh, feels like a heavy. What's the word I'm looking for? Like if they fail, then Arnie dies. So it's a, a, a big impact. Yeah, it, it it definitely. I mean, it wasn't bad. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it was a good movie. It just wasn't. I, I don't know. I like that they went a different route than instead of like, oh, demon, demon, demon. Like in the last two. Like, I'm I'm glad they like added like this new monster. Essentially, like it became you know demon worshipers, like demon worshippers and stuff like that, which was cool. But yeah, it did become very legal heavy. Right. Like, there was not, not, I don't think they overdid it with the court scenes, but, you know, a a lot of, but uh, uh, the, I I did enjoy the scene where it was like, they're talking to the lawyer, I can't remember what her name is, but they're like, oh, why would I believe that? And they're like, oh, you know, just come over, you know, for some dinner, meet Annabelle, and then we'll see if you still, you know, don't believe us. And then, like, it cut right to the court case, and (laughs) you could see that she's, like, fucked up. Yeah. No, um... Yeah, for me, it was like I couldn't tell which direction they were going to go, whether it's, this was going to be like a movie about the case and them trying to prove his innocence by demonic possession 
mm-hmm. or if they were going to try to solve the crime. And it, they did a little bit of both, um, but it kind of lacked in both, if that makes sense. For me, uh, major spoiler here, but they end up going to talk to a priest who, because they found a uh, a totem at the at the scene of the crime, which this totem was supposedly a means to summon a demon to do, you know, spooky boy cult things. Right. And, and not to talk over you, but um, the scene with the waterbed, terrifying. Right. That was like awesome. Like where the, the demon or whatever it is, like, is like in the waterbed and you just see him like floating around. Right. Terrifying. Which ends up being how they find the totem and whatnot. Right. So that was, that was a really cool scene. Um, but yeah, so they end up being led to this uh, ex-priest who had basically looked into cults in the past and had dealt with these totems. So they went to go see basically what he knew, how he could help them. Mm-hmm. And he uh, had actually followed the cult from the Annabelle series, the cult of the Ram. Um, and basically was describing things that he had learned from them and then it turns out his daughter is the main antagonist here. Major spoiler. Um, she is the one controlling the demon. She's the the witch, the master Satanist and whatnot. But it never really describes why, other than the fact that this was a priest that he collected all yeah. this stuff from the cults and yeah. has it in his house. And then all of a sudden his daughter's like, well, I guess I'll be a Satanist now. I, I liked it because um played by John Noble, amazing actor. Um he did a, like a really good job being like this kind of like disconnected priest. But it, it was kind of fun to see like where the Warrens cuz they he he took them down into their basement and he has this huge room of all this occult stuff like of you know this cult that he's been studying for years and years and years. And it was like it, it was kind of like you know, a mirror of what the Warrens do with all like their room of ghost stuff like that. And yeah, they didn't really go too much into it. The only time they really explained why she was the way she is, this, this occultist is because, you know, he had a daughter, um, you know, that the church didn't know about his wife passed away in childbirth, I believe. And like, so he hid her and like raised her at this this house that he kept all this stuff in and then she became super interested invested in it and it kind of took over her life so like we know how she got there but i yeah i I really don't remember i could have just missed something huge but like the reason they specifically targeted david arnie because they needed it was like what was it like the innocence, the lover, and the protector, or something like that. Yeah, so she it was had like the to, holy man or whatever. Yeah, essentially like mocking the holy trinity, or, or it was like I believe that like something like God's values or something like that. Right. But yeah, it didn't explain why she specifically went after them. We just knew that she summoned a demon to perform this ritual, and like if she didn't kill them, then she was gonna be killed herself right which was a really cool scene at the end where the demon just came out of nowhere and just like it was like oh your head's backwards your knees are forward and your arms are coming out this way right i came here for a soul and i'm not leaving with that one right <laughs> but yeah th- that was a really cool scene i liked a few she was a creepy person in the film yeah whenever she so, was there it was just creepy right especially when she like 
like projected herself or was that was that the demon because i thought that was her like when she was in the warren's home and it was like she like had just ed in that like kind of different reality but she had like the glowing eyes and at the end we saw the demon like it, it like assumed her form but it had glowing eyes so was it like the demon that was projecting itself or was that actually her Right. I was actually unclear on that because they showed Lorraine finding her with, you know, her clairvoyance powers and whatnot. And then they show that this woman can actually see Lorraine. And Lorraine has that moment of, oh, shit, the connection works both right. ways. Where she, she's like, Ed, the connection works both ways. Right. And I, that, that was a little spooky. It was like, oh, you're fucked. You got to get out of there, girl. Right. And... From there, I'm like, okay, so this woman has similar powers, and she could use those to do all sorts of spooky things. But then, yeah, it did show her have glowing eyes at that point. So, it's like, is this her? Is this the demon? I am right. not sure. One of my favorite scenes, um, this jumps around a little bit, but um, it, it definitely – I know we, we talked about a little bit off air, but the boomer, <laughs> the, the zombie oh, that right. she made – uh, I, which also like kind of took away from the scary factor. Um, it was more of like a, I don't know, for me anyways, it was like a funny scene, like right. this big naked dude who just like screams and then, yeah, I don't know. It, it was a funny scene to me, but um, right. I, I loved him. Yeah. Um, basically for anybody wondering how this thing comes around and Lorraine had to break into a morgue to, yeah. she was trying to touch one of the bodies that had been said to have a connection with the the main antagonist. And she was trying to use that to find out where the main antagonist was. Well, she does that, but then, as we said, the connection works both ways. So the main antagonist finds them and pretty much raises one of the other bodies. Yeah, that are in she, this she just makes it like a zombie right. out of... Yeah, out of a, a giant, like this very, I don't know if he was just bloated or he was just a very heavy man, but he's like this, uh, I like six foot five, 350 pound dude. Yeah. And also one of my favorite things is, you know, throughout the series, they established that Lorraine, while in her trance, she can still talk and with Ed and whatnot in the, in the real world. And so she's just sitting there in her connection and Ed's just like, hey, it's time to let go. And right. she's, she's just not saying anything. She's she's just stuck in here. So Ed had to like sprint and break the connection so that this zombie boy didn't eat Lorraine. Right. right. I When he was like, so he, uh, so gosh, we're jumping, we're jumping around so much. Oh, yes, we um, are. That, that, that's my fault. And. Um, you know, I think this is kind of what the podcast, which we'll, we'll try to get better about um, being um, more organized. But for now, um, so this kind of like was one of the parts I didn't love about the movie. They essentially created a second story within the movie. Um, they they found essentially the, the um, idol or whatever it is that the witch placed under their house that cursed them. And they were trying to find more information. They found another case and they wanted to like see the case notes and stuff like that. But the cop is like, I, I don't know you. I'm not giving you this stuff. And they're like, oh, but we can help. I'm clairvoyant and like I can help you. So essentially it the movie kind of took a side, you know, step 
where Lorraine and Ed helped solve a murder case of these two young girls, it was still connected because they were also affected by, you know, this this witch, essentially. Um, but that's how they ended up at the morgue. They found the body. Um, Lorraine, like, found out where the body was by using her visions, then went to the morgue. Like, they broke into the morgue. And, you know, she went to go so she could find, you know, touch the body so she can find more information. And, of course, the light, not so subtle foreshadowing, there's a light that's on a timer. The timer, while she's in the middle of her visions, the timer goes off. So Ed has to go and turn it back on. And that's when you see, like, the zombies raised, essentially. In that scene, I thought for sure Ed was going to go tackle the zombie and I was like, I, I thought it was going to be a really funny scene of him, like, you know, just, you know, blindsiding the zombie to protect Lorraine. Mm-hmm. But instead, he, like, just runs up and grabs her and moves her away. Um, and then, like, of course, the connection severed. So then the zombie just drops. Um, much smarter plan, because if I was in that situation, I think I would have tried to tackle the zombie. Right. Now that you say that, I kind of wish Ed did tackle the zombie. Right. <laughs> That would have been a much more fun scene, right? I think. <laughs> right. Uh, it would it would drop a lot of the seriousness of the film, but it would have been so sure, entertaining sure, to watch. Yeah, <laughs> right. Ed I mean, the, the film at that point, it, the the movie was kind of losing it for me, so it would have brought me a hundred percent back into it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, right. Yeah, they tried to focus on too many things, bringing in that other case, while it did connect everything and was yeah, uh, it, it wasn't was cool. like it wasn't a you know a big stretch like. It just kind of felt like it kind of took away a little bit from the movie where, yeah. all, you, like you said, so much was going on already. Right. I wish they would have focused on a little bit more of a, of scares. Right. And, um, um, gosh, I believe it's Michael Chavez, the director, who really hasn't... I was looking at his, you know, his directing history. Um, not that any of this matters, but he really hasn't directed much. He did... Um, the Cursely La Llorona, which is in the universe of The Conjuring, right? Um, which was fine. Um, he did The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Um, and then he did this like short film called The Maiden. And complete. I think it, it looks kind of like a spooky horror film. Um, and then Billy, he did a movie about Billie Eilish. I, I don't know. But... Um, Oh, man. Gosh, I, I went on a tangent. I forgot what I was even talking about. The director. Um, sh- What about him? Oh, I man. <laughs> I don't know, man. Well, okay. Here, here, I'll butt in here and say a lot of people are big uh, James Wan fan fans, obviously. He made the first two Conjuring movies, and they both did pretty well. They were both really, really creepy. Yeah, they, they were good. Um, This one, without him focuses a little bit more on the story and less on the scary yeah it kind of gets more logistic wise in bonnie aarons who plays the nun um in obviously the nun and the conjuring 2 i believe is when she first introduced technically um she's credited for this but i don't remember ever seeing her in that movie oh me neither hmm that's interesting. So I know you you uh, said something about your favorite scene. I wanted to show mine, which was kind of the whole thing that she was con- using the demon, the witch. Uh, she was using the demon to murder somebody and then have that person who did the murder commit suicide. 
So Arnie is under suicide watch, and then they show this witch doing a uh, basically a ritual to take control of Arnie. And it was a really cool thing they did. They show her doing the ritual, and then they show her doing some actions like squeezing something in her hand and then Arnie does the same thing and then right yeah taking yeah, a piece he... of glass and start cutting and like it was really cool that they would show her do something and then Arnie is doing the same exact thing and that was a real cool scene for me right yeah like uh, what is, it's like when Lorraine kind of figures out that she's trying to get Arnie to like kill himself um she like they call like the he at this point he's currently incarcerated for the murder of oh god uh bruno i believe is his name um and like they call like they're like oh have him put on suicide watch and call the chaplain of the prison and the chaplain like thinks he's helping and gives him like a, a glass bottle of holy water and it doesn't even matter like this 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 witch you know she's so powerful like so insanely powerful. She's really cool villain. Um, just like eh, I don't care about your holy relics. Kill yourself, right. and then he like starts to do it. Like it takes nothing, right? Like literally nothing shows how powerful she is. Because like the only one who was actually able to like without like brute strength stopping her was Lorraine, and she went into her like visions. I think it was that scene, right, where she like was like seeing. She essentially, like, yes. took through the eyes of the witch and right. then said something about, like, the Black Sabbath and, like, just, like, essentially blew apart with the witch's plans. And she's like, how did you do that? Right. Like, and that whole thing was just a really cool scene for me. Uh, by the way, so the guy that he killed, I think his name was Alan Bono. Alan Bono. Okay. The Because, yeah, he so... He was, they were living with him because he was trying to start um, a dog boarding place. Like a dark, I, I think that was at least the vibes I was getting. Right. Um, and that was a, that was a pretty cool scene. It wasn't creepy, but like where Arnie's like seeing these visions of him, like essentially mutating and stuff like that. Right. And then he like goes full grudge and like spider crawls across the floor and then he just like, you know, stabs the shit out of him yeah. and kills him. Oh yeah. I will say, like, this one had, like, good CGI and good, like, visual effects and stuff like that. Right. But it wasn't too spooky. Right. Okay, Joe, if you had to give it a rating, what would you rate it? Oh, gosh. What's our scale? One out of ten? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's go okay, one, one out of ten. I think I'd have to give it a six. It was... It wasn't terrible, it lacked a lot for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like the story was fun. Like I, it was, sim it was interesting. It's definitely interesting. Um, but it didn't really feel like a horror movie. It was like kind of suspenseful. I guess it it didn't live up to the previous two. Right. And honestly, if I had to rate it, I would also give it a six. And I'm only rating it that high. Because I really did enjoy the story. The story had me pretty much entertained the whole time. It was interesting to see how it was going to play out. But it did very much lack in fear. I watch a scary movie to be scared, and it didn't scare me at all. 
Right. There was plenty of opportunity to scare us, too. Like, okay, the part where he spills over the bucket in the prison, and he's, like, reaching into a dark bed. And there's the jump scare, but, like, it, it didn't do anything. Right. Um, Like, the whole – like, the end of the movie where they're in the crypt. And, like, there's a really cool scene. I liked it a lot where, you know – um, have you seen Leprechaun? Yes. So, you know, when they're in his like tunnel or, you know, his home and he can like just essentially like make illusions and like, oh, you think you're running. You you think you're escaping, but you're not really. Right. It, essentially, she did the same thing where it was very disorienting and confusing and stuff. And there was a really cool scene. And unfortunately, like I hate it when movies spoil really cool scenes and trailers, but it was in the trailer where – Ed is like shouting out for Lorraine and then you see Lorraine in the background run and she yells and like they run to meet up with each other. And as soon as she gets up, the she turns back into the witch, like Lorraine turns back into the witch and blows some dust in his eyes. Right. Like that was a really cool scene. Right. None of the entire time they were down in her crypts, didn't, I, I didn't feel scared at all. Like I, I, it was just like, oh, this is kind of annoying. They're right. like lost <laughs> in these crypts. Yeah. Anyway. It definitely did lack the fear. Like, have some, like, creepy noises going on, some voices going inside their heads right. or something like that. Do something. But it's literally just them following, trying to find a person and put an end to what they're doing. They had all all of the ingredients for a scary scene, but I, I don't know. I don't know how he managed to not make it scary. Right. Especially after the first two movies. The first two movies have a lot of very, very creepy, memorable parts. Right. Um, I mean, like, which, I mean, again, in the Conjuring universe, um, we can definitely, like, go into a deeper dive over, like, more of the movies. But um, I know we've kind of talked in depth about the nun specifically, but in the Conjuring 2, like, they did a really good job connecting um, the nun, the Conjuring 1, and the Conjuring 2 but in the in the in Conjuring Two, the nun, terrifying. Like I mean, there's a really cool scene where uh, Ed paints a picture of the nun. Like he has this, essentially a vision of her that he hangs it up in his office or something like that. And then you see like Lorraine goes in there. You see the shadow of this nun walking across the wall, and essentially like she walks behind the painting and then goes super spooky. And it's like, oh, that's that's creepy. Like you yeah. did a good job. But in the nun, the movie she i don't know she was powerful but i don't know she wasn't very scary yeah um a, a lot of those scenes oh by the way that scene that you just talked about what i really liked about it was it kind of showed how ed and lorraine started out so i'm reading one of their a book about their careers right now it's, it's called the demonologist it's about ed and lorraine's career and whatnot mm -hmm. but so they started out obviously not well known until basically the Amityville house came came around and they did their right. investigation on that then they were they were blown up in the public eye but before that they would like read about supposed hauntings and spooky places and whatnot and they would drive to that place um they they were doing they were artists as they show ed painting things in the movies mm -hmm. they would paint the house and then they would go up and they would knock on the door and they would offer the painting in exchange for basically information on the haunting. And then from there, they would see if they could help them and whatnot, which kind of was really cool because 
they show a painting of one of the haunted houses in that scene and the shadow of a nun goes out of that painting and then into the one that uh ed painted of the nun pretty much right isn't isn't that the painting of i i i thought that was the painting of the first movie i thought so too but i wasn't 100 percent positive huh but i do think so Okay, because I thought it was like because it's the tree in the foreground and right. then like the house and the. I thought it was because that that one also involved a witch, um, kind of cursing. Go watch the Conjuring one. We'll 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 talk. We we can do every single movie in the Conjuring universe. Great movie, Conjuring one. I think is still my favorite yeah, of the three. It's always gonna be my favorite of the three. Um, but yeah, I believe I, I thought I I thought that was the house where like the tree the tree was the tree where the witch hung herself. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right, but I wasn't a hundred percent positive, so I didn't want to uh-huh. say that. Right, <laughs> that's fair. It could be any generic tree, right? But, I mean, but it I, looks I think like it is. A, yeah, if you've seen a tree, it looks like a tree. So you know, right? <laughs> uh, did so? I have a question for you. Okay. Um, John Noble's character Castner, I think the the father of the witch. Um, if. I, I was talking to Lily about it um, after we watched. Um, did you trust him? Um, I had my doubts when they first showed up, and he's like, "I have to show you guys something." And they go, they're going down, and Lorraine's just like, right. "I don't, I don't want to go down there." Right? She like looks at Edge, like, "I do not want to go into that basement." Right? Which I get that. That's I mean, like that. That is a legitimate concern yeah so i had that initial like do i trust this guy i don't know why does he have all this stuff here and his argument was kind of you know you're taking guns off the streets right well i think that was a reference i don't know if like that was you know artistic liberty but i believe in the conjuring one maybe the conjuring two ed says almost verbatim the exact same thing he'd rather have them here than out there right right so it was like a nice reflection like i mean it's essentially the same thing i mean they do ghosts and like possessions and stuff and he does occult stuff but i i feel like ed said almost the exact same thing right which makes sense um but yeah it it gives you this eerie feeling about that character and i just didn't know what to feel at that point Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't really trust him, but I didn't distrust him yet. Yeah. Um, once Lee like found out it was his daughter, I definitely lost a lot of trust. Obviously, I think that was the intention. And I, I told Lily, I was like, because he, he opened up the secret bookcase. He's like, oh, go in this spooky tunnel. She'll never find you there. Right. Which it turned out to be where her altar was and, you know, her base of operations. But I was like, I, I looked at Lily, I was like... I like this character. He, um, you know, he's he doesn't seem like a great guy, but like the character himself, I just liked him. But I was like, unfortunately, unless he dies, there's no way I trust him. <laughs> like, right. and then like a second after I said that, the the daughter comes <laughs> up and it's just like, yo, I know you're my dad and all, but um, you gotta go. Yeah, and see then you just later. like, right, just slices his throat. It's right. Like, okay, now I trust him. <laughs> right. You can never not trust a dead man. Right. <laughs> so, all the Conjuring stories are based on, quote-unquote, true events. You know, actual cases that Ed and Lorraine Warren had, right? you know, worked 
And what are your thoughts on that? Like, I was actually reading specifically about the Conjuring Three. I was reading some stuff, and um, oh god, so I was reading a review, and it was it was really good. I can't I can't remember exactly. I'm gonna butcher it, but you know. It was like, oh, towing the line of reality and romanticizing these movies. Um, but there was one thing that I, I um, specifically, but in the beginning, the the exorcism of David, that I wonder why they didn't introduce or like actually like make. Um, there was no like filming or recording or anything like that of that specific exorcism, but like all the eyewitnesses and stuff were saying that david like levitated and that that seems so like classic conjuring and right. I, I i wonder like don't get me wrong like what they did with like, him like his body completely like contorting and twisting and all that stuff they did a really good job but i i wonder why they like chose to leave out the levitating like that's right. very conjuring yeah it really very is um but yet there's a lot of i was reading a, a bunch of stuff on this case and it's like i can't tell basically i i wasn't sure why they decided to make this movie based on this case i mean i don't know if it's like this director specifically because like i said he he he's only done la llorona and the this newest conjuring the devil made me do it um i don't know if it's like he wanted to go more i don't know it seems like they wanted to like shoot for something different which is, oh, the first, you know, case where the defense argument is possession of demon. Um, which is an interesting idea, but it, I don't know. Because um, Arnie, the guy, I mean, like, that it actually happened. Like, he got charged for first-degree manslaughter. Yes. And then I, I think he got charged for 10 to 20 years, but he only served five years of that. Right. Which I completely miss. I misread at the end of the movie. It was like, I, which I thought, I thought it was really fucked up because the end of the movie is really happy. Um, all throughout it, Ed and Lorraine, like, reference how they met and stuff like that. Um, and it's specifically this gazebo. And I, I misread the ending where it was like, oh, Arnie still got convicted, you know, for manslaughter and right. stuff like that. And I was like, oh, shit, like, that's kind of sad. Like, he's in prison. And then it cuts to Ed and Lorraine having, like, a great time. They bought a, a replica uh, – Ed bought a gazebo that they met – like, they stopped at at their first date, like, a replica of it. And I was like, damn, like, this guy's still in jail for something <laughs> he supposedly, according to this movie, didn't do. Right. And they're having a great time. And then yeah. Lily's like, no, you fucking idiot. He, he only spent <laughs> – five years in jail i was like oh okay and he got married while in jail right yeah yeah he got his high school degree while in jail like he he had a pretty good time i think i know movies like kind of like you know you you have to be eccentric because you know nobody wants to watch like oh like i was a little depressed and like my wife or like my girlfriend at the time was thinking about leaving me like i don't know how much of i can't remember the actress or like what the character's name was but arnie's you know girlfriend the entire movie and she was also david's older sister and stuff like debbie. that debbie debbie yes um it was really sweet like she believed him like she witnessed him murdering the guy like the guy the guy he killed and she's still like, I know he didn't do it. Like, you know, again, I don't know how much of that is romanticized by, like, the director. 
But I was like, oh, that's sweet. And they got married. Oh, good for you, Debbie. Right. Like, you're a real one. Yeah. Um, the thing that uh, I, I wasn't exactly sure why they chose to do this case. Um, I do understand that it was the first case of, you know, pleading innocent by or not guilty by demonic possession. Mm-hmm. But it was instantly um, dismissed, like literally instantly. <clears throat> the ju- judge said. It, it can't be proven. We're not. We're not even going to acknowledge that. So, instead of doing that, they chose to. Um, their defense was self-defense instead. Oh, really? Because they didn't. Did they? They didn't say that in the movie, did they? No, they didn't. Right. Hmm. Like I, I get it. Like you want to focus on this idea of being the first ones of demonic possession, but it's kind of a big detail to leave out. Right. Like. I just imagine being in court, you know, all rise. Uh, how do you plead? Uh, not guilty by means of demonic possession. Oh, no, nope, we're not doing that. You can't really prove that. Uh, I guess we'll go self-defense then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's our audible? I, I don't know. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Apparently the whole thing with him killing, it, it was actually his landlord, uh, the Bono guy. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, the whole thing was there was a lot more witnesses there so it was arnie the bono guy uh debbie and i believe they i think debbie had two younger sisters that were there as well oh okay um which they don't even show in the movie no yeah because in the entire movie like you see them like the opening is you know their family it's just like the mom the dad david the younger brother who starts the you know possession debbie Arnie and then of course the Warrens. And and that's the that's the thing is a lot of people were saying that they were arguing and whatnot before the murder happened, so that was that was why they chose to go with self defense instead of demonic possession once that was thrown out. I guess it makes sense. At least the way they portrayed the landlord. He he was kind of a dickhead. Right. He was an, he was a very obnoxious character, to say it the least. Right. Um, also, going off of that, they made a book about uh, this case. It's by the same author that made the demonologist book that I'm reading now. But according to a, a few articles I've read now, uh, David, the little kid that was possessed at the beginning he had an older brother named carl who actually sued lorraine their publishing uh company and the author of the book claiming that this was the possession of his brother was all a whole a hoax created by the warrens no kidding right they said that uh, david was not possessed but he did have mental issues. Huh. So, uh, like, I know you've done a deeper dive into the Warrens, and you were telling us, like, okay, so in the movie, even in the movies, um, Patrick Wilson's character, Ed Warren, um, he comes across as an asshole. He's definitely sexist at times. Like, you know, he has to be, he's definitely got this hero complex, you know, savior complex kind of thing. Like, he has to be the one. So, like, even in the movies, like, this... I don't know, cinematic version of him. He's still a dickhead. Right. Uh, L- Lorraine, on the other hand, 
she is a queen and like she's she she does everything like she has all the visions she solves everything the only thing like ed does is he's the muscle and occasionally performs an exorcism right um but you did a deeper like you you know more about the actual ed and lorraine warren and like you're saying even the real one is even more of a bigger dickhead yeah so to anybody listening to this i encourage you to read up and form your own opinion on the warrens um a lot of people think that they were frauds and i believe that the relationship that is portrayed in the movies is a highly romanticized it was not all happiness love and everything there are a lot of allegations thrown at ed you you got to read up on it i don't want to be the one to throw throw shade on you know somebody <laughs> right. who's passed but i will say that the movies highly highly romanticize their relationship there's a really like nice scene in conjuring 2 where ed is like sacrificing himself and lorraine has visions the whole time of right. him dying and it's like the part when it actually comes to it like it's it's like a little a little tear jerking um but it's like a really sweet scene and then of course in the conjuring three the devil made me do it like they keep flashing back and when ed gets essentially mind controlled by the witch the only thing that brings him out of it is remembering their first date right <laughs> Like it's, it, I mean, it's a little cheesy for sure, but right. it's like, oh, you know, the power of love, yeah. all that good stuff. But. I believe Lorraine's exact line was, she thought our love was our weakness. It's not, oh. it's our strength. Right. Definitely a cheesy line. This right. this movie had a lot of cheesy moments. Right. Um, but yeah. Um, I don't I don't know what the real Lorraine Warren is, but I'm going to, I've already said it to you and I'm going to say it now. Um, uh, I want the occultist and Lorraine, um, power couple, <laughs> um, they are Queens they will rule this world. Right. Unfortunately, um, too late. I think Lorraine passed away in 2019. Did she? Yes. Oh, I, th- I just looked at something like I was reading up a little bit about them. Um, and it, it, like, as of that article, she was still alive, but, uh, ah, yeah, but I guess it was 19, I think. Well, bum- I mean, I guess. Not knowing anything about her except for these movies, that's sad. Unless she was a bad person, then honestly, I don't know. everything I read, it was like she was a pretty good person. Who there are a lot of people that claim that she was not a fraud, that she actually had clairvoyant powers, and it was notable. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are the people that are like, okay, the Warrens come in, they um you know blowing smoke and everything make everybody mm-hmm. think that their house is haunted and then charge you right um, which is weird because from everything i've read in like the book and stuff they didn't really charge people for the investigation other than for stuff that they actually needed like they needed to be compensated for like travel and a place to stay mm-hmm. other than that they did all of the investigation for free right. like they didn't earn a profit off of this it was just like hey if you can pay for us to fly there and stay then we'll help you out i as somebody i mean like i love horror movies i mean i i definitely think your 
the horror king here out of the two of us. Um, I love horror movies and I love spooky stuff. And so badly, I want to believe in ghosts and clairvoyant people and, you know, demonic stuff. And, like, you know, I, 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 I really want to. I just so hard for me, especially like, like <laughs> Lily watches. Oh God, what is it? The Staten Island I don't know. It's it's some like garbage show that I don't know if it's even still on, but she still she watches that. I think she watches that. Um but it's, you know, this woman who claims to be clairvoyant and, you know, can see ghosts and stuff and it's like uh I have such a hard time believing anything that's on TV saying that you can do all this stuff. Like I I want to believe that people out there can actually do it and I'd love to actually see it and maybe maybe Lorraine actually I don't know enough about her but um the hopeful side of me really 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 wants her to act, like not be a fraud and I agree with that like the whole clairvoyant thing is interesting to me like a lot of it is just like reading the energy of people and the room right so it's like apparently I don't know how much I believe but apparently humans like emit a certain aura and whatnot and they they can basically read that aura. Like, oh, amber is the color of your inner. Yeah, yeah, see you get it. You're clairvoyant. Right. right. <laughs> uh but yeah. And you know, a lot of the stuff that I read is like when ghosts or demons when they they manifest and whatnot it's they're drawing off of that energy that we emit like the your aura and whatnot so like if you are in a very emotional state for some reason or another your aura becomes stronger which makes it a little more easy for something to uh, basically show itself yeah, I – so, again, like, Lily, I keep mentioning her, my girlfriend. Um, I believe – I could be wrong, and I apologize um, if I'm speaking for you, but I believe she, like, considers herself, like, more empathic um, or, like, I don't know, more – she's definitely more emotionally connected, and um, she she, like, claims – that you know she has like all these spiritual encounters and like you know i i'm inclined to believe her because i mean who am i to say no but you know she's definitely compared to like someone like me who is void of all emotion and dead inside <laughs> um <laughs> she's very more like empathic and like you know she, you know but she she has all these like she talks about like all these encounters and stuff like she has um, which I'm super jealous of because I want that. I so desperately want something like that. Like I want to be attacked by a ghost essentially <laughs> just cause I, I want to know that it's true. Right. Um, but she, like, like you said, people who are more emotionally connected, like she like says she sees like, you know, I, I think it's like mostly in her dreams and stuff like that. Like she's like sees people who recently passed away and all like the good stuff. Um, but I, I do think maybe that is a key is, you know, being more o o emotionally open to those kind of experiences. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Like if you, if you're a close minded person to the 
opportunity, I guess, then there's no reason anything would want to try to communicate with you, you know? Right. Right. Because, I mean, again, I'm not a ghost expert, but, like, you see in all these, like, seances and stuff, it's like, oh, you have to open up and, like, you know, you know, be willing to the experience. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen. I will say, personally, I've had, I think, two, um, I will say, paranormal experiences in my life. Um, one of them <laughs> really, really got me for uh, for a good while. I was terrified for a solid like two months after it happened. Uh, the other one was a really simple. Me and a couple of friends went to um, this supposed uh, high activity graveyard, um, and it was like a place with no light pollution and whatnot. So you'd go with flashlights, turn off the light, and it would just be pitch dark. Like you can't, Oof. you could wave your hand in front of your face and not see it. Right. And um, then we got to the point we'd walk to the middle of the graveyard and we would all take pictures of each other, you know, with your flash on and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's a time where we were all taking pictures of each other with, with everybody's phone. And for some reason, everybody's picture of me had an orb right next to my head. Oof. Happened Ugh. on multiple different phones, and then they <laughs> took pictures of each other as well with nothing. So that one was a little bit creepy, but that's not the one that really got me. I'll talk about the other one on some other episode of our po- podcast. For sure. Uh, just a quick question. Is it the one – I'm pretty sure you told me about this. It's your uncle's house? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Right. Ooh, it's spooky. Yeah, um, that so one I got guess me. <laughs> what we're getting at is that um, – uh, if you guys could all just give us all your money so we could just become professional ghost hunters and do this podcast at the same time, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be really cool. Also, if you are listening to this, share some cool experiences. We could talk yeah, about- Yeah, definitely. We could do an episode about different experiences that people have, whether you think it's all real or fake, and basically just anything you've come, come in contact with. It'd be really cool to see everybody else's Absol- encounters. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we love this stuff. Um, you know, horror is a big part of our lives, film, it, you know, and like real life experiences. But yes, absolutely. I'd love to hear any encounters or anything, anything like that, anything spooky. Love to hear about that. Right. As for this podcast, like the main thing I, I, I'm going to love doing is um, just sitting down and talking about a horror movie we watched, giving it a light review and whatnot. <laughs> But I do want to do more than just movies and talk about experiences and whatnot, stories, like anything that people have to offer. Right. I think it'd be really cool. Um, before we get too deep into the plugs, um, we're definitely getting close to wrapping up. So final thoughts? Final thoughts. It was a good movie. I liked it. It's definitely worth the watch. Don't compare it to the other two Conjuring movies because you may be disappointed if you do that. It's not nearly as scary. But... The story is good. The story is good. And I implore everybody, be skeptical, but also do your own research on the Warrens. Uh, make your make your own opinion. Don't just uh, take what other people have and say, oh, they're frauds or, oh, it's all real. You know, make your own opinion. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Um, if you look at this movie as a standalone, it's good. It's definitely good. Um, in the whole Conjuring universe, it's definitely not the worst one. I... I haven't actually seen any of the Annabelles, which I need to get around to because I know you talk about them a lot, um, except for Coming Home. Is that the, That's the 
chronologically yeah. the latest one. Right. Did you ever watch um, the Goosebumps movie with uh, Jack Black? Yes, yes, yes. Both of them, right? There's two of them, right? I yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. So Annabelle Comes Home is essentially the Warren's version of that movie. Um, so, you know, it's all ba- – I believe that they're all based on – the Warren's cases because it's stuff that they have in their room. The babysitter goes in and she touches a bunch of stuff, which activates those things. So it's literally, you know, the goosebumps movie, except uh-huh. without RL Stein, uh, right. monsters and <laughs> right. it's, it's right. Ed and Lorraine Warren cases. It, it's, it's a good jump scare movie if you want to watch something like that, but it doesn't really provide anything to the universe. Unless you really like Ed and Lorraine Warren and you think all their cases are neat, then yeah, I'd say give it a watch, but it definitely wasn't my favorite. I mean, I'm going to watch them just because I want to watch all of the movies, but um, for me, based off of the ones I've seen, not including any of the Annabelle series, um, The Nun by far was the worst. Um, And I know The Nun 2 is coming out or it's in production or something like that, um, which I hope is better than the first one. Um, but all in all, I thought it was a good movie. Not not spooky. If you're looking for something that's going to scare you, this is not it. Right. Um, if you're looking for an entertaining story, this is this is good. It's good. But more of a drama. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but with that, I think we're going to wrap up. Um, guys, this is a brand new podcast. So if you're listening to this, you liked it, please, you know, like, rate, subscribe. Um, all that stuff helps us out so much. You can find us on, well, I mean, I guess if you're listening to this, you've already found us, but you can find us on any, uh, podcasting platform that, uh, you listen to podcast on. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Mikey, thank you so much for joining me in the Spooky Boy Horror Show. Mm, you spooky Bros Horror Show? Come on. Oh, no. <laughs> it's the first episode. It's a new, it's a new Spooky Bros Horror Show. I'm wow, going to cut that out. you got out. it. First try. Um, yes. Also, anybody listening, if you want us to review any movies, uh, drop it in. Um, I'm open to any sort of... Um, recommendations i love watching spooky movies so movies games stories personal experiences like you were saying before you got anything definitely send it in um i know we have a long list of stuff to do but um we'll definitely fit in fan stuff um first hell yeah sick all right um with that uh i'm joe i'm mikey uh, and this is the spooky bros horror show first try baby <laughs> first try all right bye goodbye what's that it's the end of the episode and you don't know where to send your suggestions or spooky stories well that's because i forgot to add it in the episode so you can send all of that to sbhorrorshow at gmail.com. That's S as in spooky and B as in bros. Horrorshow at gmail.com. Okay, thanks. Bye for real. Bye.